Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends, wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by Mike Gundy's stylist and social media advisor, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> Uh, that's, that's a, that's a tough one there. Um, no, I, I, I get my news from, from other places than, than Mike Gundy's, uh, Twitter or uh, Facebook feed of Liberty, uh, Patriot real news. Believe me, it's real.net, um, or whatever, uh, shirt he was wearing today, but no, I, uh, <laughs> I I'm good, man. I uh, I am wearing a, a shirt from college with a uh, front pocket tee. So, um, but but this one has a slightly uh, less polarizing logo on it. But no, uh, Gerald, I'm good, man. How you hanging in there? I'm I'm doing well. I'm on the one. I'm on the tail end of like a, a like a respiratory infection situation. So like, if I sound weird, that's why. But like, am I the only one that finds it weird that? Uh, someone was wearing a t-shirt of a news network like i worked at a news station for three <laughs> years and i only wore a tv station t-shirt while being paid to do so like i only wore my news nine sports shirt when i was being paid to represent news nine that's a really fantastic point actually i have never worn uh, chosen to to wear a news station shirt not espn even for sports news and entertainment not uh, I'm trying to think the newsiest uh, shirt. I don't know. When we come out with Sweet uh, Burn or not Burn Organization, when we have Sweet Longhorn Republic uh, merch that all of you have been in our mentions clamoring for, uh, you can wear those because this here, folks, is the real news. 100% real uh, news, sports news, entertainment with a bit of snark built in, all that kind of stuff. But this is news, and you can wear our merch at some point when we make that happen, yeah, really. At some point. We may, we, who knows? We may partner with Last Dan's hat. Our friend, our friend Mike over at Last Dan might be fun uh, to get some some hats made. That's a whole. That's we're pulling the curtain back too far, Kyle. Let's reel it back in. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um, so we've got some serious news to talk about today. So uh, late last week, I guess really this started like three weeks ago. Uh, Brendan Eagles, if you remember, tweeted out um, a statement that basically he was no longer going to uh, be suiting up and playing for the University of Texas if uh, he was not able to use his platform to affect positive change. Is kind of the the gist of it. And we were kind of trying to figure out, you know, it was in the midst of. Um, you know, following George Floyd's killing, Breonna Taylor's killing, and um, you know, that that all of the situations and, and the marches that were happening and just the the unrest that is still happening to this day. It hasn't died down, but um, we didn't really know what it meant. So then, lo and behold, on Friday, Brandon Eagles is the first one to tweet it, but not the only one to tweet it. Um, an open letter from student athletes across the university and representing kind of black students as a whole, um, communicating that they feel like there is some changes that need to be made. And so they put forward a list of requests 
to both the university at large and the athletic department overall. And they basically said, we'll continue to practice, we'll continue to play, but if we do not see some changes, then we will not participate in the extra stuff. We won't host recruits. We won't go to booster events. Uh, Basically asking the administration, are they willing to leverage the future for the past? And so the list of requests that they put forward is changing the names of campus buildings, including Robert Lee Moore Hall, T.S. Painter Hall, the three different locations named uh, for Mr. Littlefield and James Hogg Auditorium, as well as removing the statue bearing his image, replacing the statues that were removed with uh, statues that represent diversity and that were designed and or sculpted by sculptors and artists of color, uh, avenues for incoming freshmen to learn about the uh, racial undertones and kind of the, the history of the University of Texas, including the Texas Cowboys, inner city outreaches for San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, and Austin, more diversity represented in the Athletic Hall of Fame, including a permanent black athletes exhibit, half a percent of the athletic income donated to black organizations in the Black Lives Matter movement, renaming an area of Daryl K. Royal Stadium after Julius Whittier, Texas's first black football player, and replacing the eyes of Texas with a song that does not have the racially sensitive history and or no longer requiring student athletes to be present for the singing of the song. Long list of things to say about that, but we, we, could, we can go one by one and go through the list and talk about it. But really, Kyle, as you saw this list come out, like what was your reaction to the, the statement, the list, and the almost overwhelming number of athletes from across different sports that were chiming in? The first kind of initial thought was, whoa, right? The, the statement that preceded kind of the list of requests um, I thought was, was wonderfully worded. And, and I thought, wow, look at these uh, young men and women who are, who are stepping up, um, kind of seizing an opportunity, a bit of leverage that exists right now to, to make changes that they truly care about, that impact that probably a lot of these are, you know, overdue and should have come in years past. But it is, you know, this is such a weird time that we find ourselves in, right? Our, our, our ecosystem economy, our modes of working and being and acting and behaving and interacting have all been paused and, and in some ways shifted and, and we'll, we'll see, you know, looking back, um, but, but maybe, you know, reframed in, in, in the long run. I mean, it's, it's, we've dealt with racial issues in this country and certainly not for the first time, but um, maybe in some way directly for the first time, at least in a long time, um, there's just been a lot of, um, a lot of people are exhausted and tired and in some of maybe that fake facade and, and plastic exterior is just broken and it allows people to just be real. Um, I for one welcome it. I think it's, I think it's great. I think um, Brennan Eagles being a spokesman for, for kind of this movement is clearly something he's passionate about. I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, I think on behalf of the overall kind of Texas student athlete advisory committee, which is comprised of people across all sports, I think it's amazing, right? I think it's, it's things that, you know, UT student athletes make up a big part um, of of the student population, right? They're not the biggest part, but they are a, a part that you don't necessarily think of as like an affinity group. Um, but I, I was, you know, one of the founding members of the Texas Roundtable, which was, you know, all of the non-Greek um, organization presidents to to come together, spirit groups and other things. Um, and, and, you know, eventually we didn't think to include the student athlete presence in that. And now there is. And I love that. I love that um, that voice is a unique one and is being heard. Um, and there are some pretty specific and unique 
um, opinions and, and requests of the people who are sometimes the most visible representatives and ambassadors of the university, right? It's not just sports because, hey, you get to go to school to play a game. It, there, there is an, an immeasurable amount of pride. I mean, the, part of the reason we love college sports is you are bonded by that, you know, name on the front of the, the jersey is something that is bigger um, than the person wearing it because the, the students are are only there for a few years, but that jersey is, is you know, permanent, right? And there's something um, really elegant and beautiful about that. That's why we love college sports, the community of it. But, you know, these are members of that community who have asked, and I, I not to ramble or go on too much, I just think um, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was, you know, aggressively bold. I think I've mentioned before, right, when you write um, objectives and goals, I, I use a, and it's not me alone, it's common industry, uh, smart, uh, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. Um, and I think they, they wrote smart objectives of things that they wanted. I want this specifically. I think most of these were achievable and realistic. Um, we could talk if there's any that might be at the, the end of that. But um, I, I ultimately commend uh, the effort, the thoughtfulness that went into it, and, and, and the, the courage to, to stand up and ask. Like not to be weird about it, but whatever, like uh, the, the enormous sense of pride that I had, um, seeing these, these young people, these young, uh, student athletes, these, these young men and women who are willing to kind of put their stake in the ground and say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. Like at 19, 20, I was not worried about social activism. I was trying to figure out how to go to class and not look hungover. And so the simple fact that these young men and women realize the voice that they have as I'll just like the most visible members of the university. Like when you think of the, the amount of brand ambassadorship that these people carry, like when you think of university of Texas, I mean, people that, that know the university think of all the incredible things that happen in the other departments, but nationally, the reason why Texas is the number one selling brand year in and year out is because of those men on the gridiron and those men and women on the hardwood and, and the, the track and field. Like that's why is these people are the ambassadors. And so, um, you know, as you know, I, w- I was in school from 2004 to 2008 and I remember like seeing these statues, you know, walking on the South mall and it's statues that just face, face the South. And, you know, these, these buildings that have names that bear people that wouldn't have taught me in their classes and being frustrated by it and not feeling like I could say or do anything because, well, there are thousands of students on this campus. Am I the only one that feels this way? Like, am I crazy or is this, and you know, there were conversations, you know, orientation, they tell you about the eyes and they're like, well, it was written in 1903 by Clyde Littlefield. Here are the lyrics, learn it. Um, and then like one of the black counselors like called six of us over like, Hey, let me tell you like three more things about this. Um, <laughs> and so it was one of those, um, where, you know, you feel weirdly isolated by it. And so the simple fact of the matter that like these one, it made me feel like I wasn't crazy for those years when I was frustrated that I had to go take a class in RLM or like when I was frustrated by having to go see an art show in James Hogg auditorium, not just for the art show, but for the name of the auditorium. Um, you know, it, it, it made me feel an immense sense of pride. It made me feel seen and heard in a way that I honestly didn't feel like I needed. I didn't realize I needed until it happened. And so the simple fact for me, it's like, I don't know. It's just, it, it feels like a university that I absolutely love that. I mean, I love it so much. I, I produce two weekly podcasts about it. Like 
a university that is heart and soul for me. My, my son's nursery is Texas themed. Like it's, it's a real thing for me, but, um, this part of it, I never felt like a part of. And so the fact that these student athletes have taken a stand for what they believe in and, and things that resonate with me was massive. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love that. Right. I, I think you obviously have a very specific and unique experience and I appreciate you sharing it. I mean, I, I was, a little bit younger. I was at the university still in, in 2010, but it started probably around the time you were there in 2008 or 2009. Um, the the renaming of a uh, certain era of um, listeners may not know this, but there was a, uh, up until 2010, there was a um, all-male dorm, one of an old kind of quirky uh, dorm called Simpkins um, on San Jacinto Boulevard. And, and um, you know, there's one half of William Stewart Simpkins, who was a, you know, a, a law professor who was respected. Um, there's the other half where he was a, a Ku Klux Klan organizer, right? And um, I was there and I was in student government at the time when they, um, you know, they had pushed it for so long. And when that finally was announced, I remember the joy, um, just friends of mine, people I knew who'd worked so long and, and hard and countless hours and, and, and doing that. And just the joy that was felt on the other side of that look, um, you know, whatever. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of the fact that Jordan Shipley's, you know, playing career was actually longer than the, the entire Confederacy. But, you know, there's, there's statues and things on campus. I mean, again, a good friend of mine, ran for student body president as a joke for the travesty and ended up winning. Um, but the joke that Rohit Mandalapu and, um, and his, his, uh, running mate ended up doing was they removed conservative statues of Jefferson Davis on campus. Like that stuff matters. Uh, it's, it's great. It is clear that there are people on campus who don't feel comfortable there. And what is, uh, the university of Texas, if not, um, supposed to be a welcoming place, a place that makes every student um, feel, you know, comfortable. And, and, and the, you know, obviously the, the, the phrase, what starts here changes the world. There's going to be people who were students 30, 40, 50 years ago who probably have different opinions. Um, but the campus right now belongs to the, the students that are on it, right? They will one day be alumni in 40 years from now. There will be other students and they might have different opinions. But I mean, the, I, I remember a professor, you know, lamenting that we didn't protest. He was, you know, around in the 60s and, and 70s said, why aren't you active? Why aren't you standing on West Mall every day protesting something, right? Um, they're the, the University of Texas is, is a is a symbol to the world. Um, it has long been, you know, a, a voice that that you know of twenty somethings that has been, um, you know, looked to. They, they they've had something to say, and so I appreciate that being continued. Do you want to do you want to run through um, any of these kind of one by one and, and talk quickly about thoughts on on each of the requests? We can. I think the a lot of them are fairly simple to do, right? Like. Changing the names of the buildings. Uh, RLM refused to teach black students. Like, told a black student, you start with the C and work your way down. Like, cool. I like, get rid of it. Whatever. I'm done with it. Uh, Post-integration, right? right? Post after there was black yeah. street, it was a big deal. Yeah. yeah after 1950, the 19, <sighs> 1950, I think, is when the university integrated. Uh, T.S. Painter, again, post-integration, um, told Herman Sweat, I'm not going to go to law school because you're black. Cool. Change it. Um, Littlefield, Confederate general. Like, okay, let's do it. Change it. Uh, James Hogg, again, uh, we have to like having to talk about the fact that the university of Texas is 20 years older than the civil war. Like there's just, these things are like woven into the history of it. And that's a, a thing that we have to confront, um, replacing those statues with 
diverse statues made by sculptors of color. There are probably dozens, if not hundreds of art students at the University of Texas that would make some incredible stuff to put up on the university. So freaking do it. Makes sense to me. Um, avenues for incoming freshmen to learn about the history. Th this one is interesting because um, there's a conversation to be had. I know, Kyle, you have a unique perspective because you are a member of the Texas Cowboys and Texas Cowboys are kind of woven into uh, football tradition. So uh, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, right now, currently, obviously, there is a Texas Cowboys Alumni Association, but there isn't a Texas Cowboys. Um, they, you know, had um, some of their own issues that I think they're on probation right now, hopefully working out. I, I know the president of that organization is trying to work with the university very closely to um, have them come back and, and continue to be, I think, what they what they should stand for, which is, um, you know, a, a symbol of service and leadership at the university. But I, I'll just be completely frank, right? I was a member of that organization and I, um, as a white man, um, was uh, a kind of a diversity uh, candidate because I wasn't Greek, right? It's, it's 80 or 90 percent historically Greek organization. Um, and uh Right. Being non-Greek was a big deal. We would always have some athletes or some people from non-Greek organizations or leadership positions on campus or whatever. And it was the reason I sought it out. It was, it was supposed to be a collection of some of the finest men on campus. Obviously, you'd have fraternity presidents and interfraternity council presidents. And, um, you know, that's how I got to know Colt McCoy, you know, and, and sit next to him and play golf with him once. Right. Like incredible organization. But it, the thing I didn't know until after I got in um, when someone explained it to me was that there was this history and it wasn't specifically just the Cowboys who did it. It was the, it was the university. It was the whole campus came together. It was a part of homecoming. It was a part of um, these big kind of campus-wide traditions. We think about the Hex Rally and these things. It was just like that. It was a big deal was this minstrel show where these guys would paint themselves in blackface. And and I remember as a you know, 19, 20-year-old, that just seemed so foreign to me, which A, is a blessing that the idea of a minstrel show at that point was foreign and and I couldn't fathom it. Um, but, but B, was also kind of a little unsettling. I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm glad that the organization has evolved. Uh, I think it's important that you tell the history of it. I don't. I, I don't think that again. This was this was the defining character of the organization uh, at my time when I was in it. I think they were a service oriented organization. But I, I do think that it's important that you know. It, if there is any single value to a statue from a time of confederate or something like that, it the, the, the proponents of it would argue it's it's to teach history. So in the same way, I don't think they need to build additional statues. But I think if there's a pavilion on campus named after the Texas Cowboys, um, you know, situated right next to the stadium because of their um, honor as the kind of um, first the the kind of forebears of the university, they do presidents events, they fire the cannon um, to signal the end of quarters and touchdowns. Um, you know, they, they have this this status um, then. then I don't think it should be whitewashed, right? I think you should you should say that there was a history. It's an organization that learned from it, um, grew and re, you know, that was never their mission statement, but made sure in their mission statement, you know, they, they really um, attempted to be a service organization to the Austin community at large um, and, and, you know, really try to focus, refocus uh, on that. So as someone who was a part of it from the inside out, I'll say um, it was not something that was hidden from us. It, we were all told it. And I think that should be something that, you know, is, is university wide. There's, there's a way to, I mean, it's how we teach us history. Now it's how we teach Texas history. Now it's like, this is who we were. It's not who we strive to be anymore. I can't say it's not who we are anymore, but that's a whole nother conversation, but this is who we were. This is the roots of it. And this is, this is what we strive to be now. And there's a way to communicate that. And there's a way to, again, 
talk about the past and talk about the things that are ugly in our past. I mean, the, the way that we truly heal from these things is to bring them out into light and have conversations about it. And so again, I, again, I'm not a member of the, I'm not a member of the Texas Cowboys. Um, but I think there's a way to communicate about the university itself. Like I said, university of Texas, 20 years older than the Confederacy. So like it's, it's just part of kind of who the university grew up as not who the university is now, but that was in its roots. Um, at, Inner city outreach to major cities in the state, easy, done, makes sense. Uh, more diversity represented in the Hall of Fame, including a permanent black athletes exhibit, pretty easy to do so. Uh, half a percent of the athletic income donated to black organizations and the Black Lives Matter movement. This is one that I think there'll probably be some conversation about the specific organization that the money's going to go to, but half a percent of the athletic income is like a million dollars. Like, Crystal Conti can shake two donors and get that. Like, it's really not that big a deal. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I completely understand that. I, I think I think that is one of the two probably points that will be negotiated, right? I think it is fine to make a request. I'll be very curious. Del Conti is obviously open. He's welcoming. He, he, he encourages conversation uh, about anything, right? I think he responded to this on Twitter saying he, he's excited to have these conversations. And I don't think that's in any way... Uh, facetious. I think he is excited. These are his students and his student athletes specifically being engaged. I think he loves that. So I, I think, however, that there probably will be just like you said, some specifics negotiating on this, and then we'll we'll talk about uh, the finale probably uh, as well. We'll have some some discussion around it. Absolutely. And and in, the interim president of the university has also said that he's already setting up meetings and kind of will support the the black students and student athletes so I'm, I'm interested to see again where these things go so renaming of an area dkr after julius whittier easy right i mean easy yeah yeah Man, like, uh, it, south end should whatever and and how I, it, it blows my mind that that wasn't done you know years ago you think about jack trice stadium at iowa state right like it just it's important these things are you know julius whittier is a name that i hope every fan of this podcast knew before um th- this kind of tweet that everyone saw or this list of requests. If not, um, then I hope you've taken the time to educate yourself, but obviously the, the first um, black player in the university of Texas football team, a trailblazer, um, right. You think about, you know, luckily we, everyone knows Jackie Robinson's name, but there are trailblazers literally at every intersection of sport um, post integration. And so um, our own kind of uh, in Julius Witter's interesting story on top of it, but um, everyone go check it out. I mean, he, he's a name that you should know. I would love to see that. I, I wish that would have, you know, already happened 20 years ago. Wouldn't be something we're talking about now. I mean, they're building a whole new section of the stadium. Just stamp his name on it and be done with it. So the the, the last one is probably the one that is the stickiest of them all. Uh, obviously, replacing the eyes of Texas with a song uh, that has less controversial roots and or student athletes are no longer to required, are no longer required to sing the song. So. I've got a lot of opinions on this. Uh, if you don't know about the history of the eyes of Texas, uh, we actually retweeted a really interesting video. There's a racial geography tour of the campus, and there's about a three and a half minute video uh, explaining kind of the roots of the eyes of Texas. It was uh, part of that minstrel show that Kyle mentioned earlier. It was um, the president of the university took the, uh, the statement, the eyes of Texas are upon you from Robert E. Lee's, uh, the eyes of the South are upon you. And so that was kind of his rallying cry for the university. The 
performers at uh, this minstrel show wrote a satirical version of it set to I'll be, I've been working on the railroad to kind of lambast the, the president of the university. But again, it was performed in blackface as part of a minstrel show. And so uh, that's woven into the history of the song, the eyes of Texas. And I've got my own thoughts on it, but Kyle, I want to hear from you. What do you think about the, the replacement of the school song? Look, I, I I think it's tough to to you know that's the one that that causes the most emotional stirring. I remember when I read the list, you know, kind of nodding my head with each one, and then got to the end, and I think that's the reason it's the last one. I'm um, just saying, whoa, right? Like, um, the eyes of Texas is a college football icon. It is it is um, a thing that people know all around you know the country. It's a thing that Texas A and M references in their um, you know school song, which says everything about the fight in Texas Aggies, but, um, you know, the song they, they sing so well, it, it, it is a known, um, entity. Uh, it is a, a part of the university. It is a tradition. However, there, there's, there's a litany of things that were a part of, of traditions of not just Texas, but all kinds of institutions, uh, that ultimately changed and we moved on and we were okay. Um, I, I, I'm of a different generation where I didn't go through a lot of those directly in the sixties and seventies. A lot of people um, did when, when, you know, traditions be they, you know, loved by some hated by others and, you know, just made people feel uncomfortable. But, you know, I imagine that that feels uncomfortable for the people who are used to it. And then you look back in five or 10 years and all of a sudden it's a memory, you know, it's, it's, you know, before we had a longhorn, you know, we had a, uh, a dog named pig as our, as our mascot, right? Like it's a thing. Uh, maybe we can get Jim Nykar, the university's historian, who's just an unbelievable storyteller and mensch on to talk about the, the history of the eyes of Texas, but he's told stories to me and others before about, you know, he does, if you remember from your orientation, the campus crawl and tells all these stories. He just, um, knows these things that were at one point, a part of the folklore and the, the institution, um, at the time that aren't anymore. And, and I know that pains certain people to hear, wait, the eyes of Texas, how could that ever go? Um, but you know, what an opportunity for, you know, to, to acknowledge and to be the progressive kind of forward thinking university to say, um, we had to be better, right? University of Texas, the last team to, to win an all white, uh, college football national championship, right? We have gotten past that. We integrated. We talked about Julius Whittier, and now obviously we have many, you know, athletes of color, and and it's not even an issue. I don't think any recruit comes and holds that against us. If there are recruits or there are students on campus who feel uncomfortable by this, wh- why? Why are we forcing it? Why are we forcing it down their throats? Why don't we have the discussion about what it means to um, to change this? What that could look like, and at least you know explore it, right? I, I'm not saying it's bad, and it it is. 100%, you know, just this racist tome that, you know, should be erased from all the history books. It's just like, hey, wh- what if we could do something better, you know? Like, just being completely honest with you, before I knew the background and history of the eyes of Texas, like, I sang it till my lungs hurt, right? I, I love the university. Fo- like, football is the reason why I ended up at the University of Texas. I'll never, I've told the story on the podcast before Derek Johnson grabbing the OU quarterback and punching the fire out of the ball, shooting it like 40 yards downfield. I ran around my house screaming. It's like, that's where I'm going to school. Um, and I ended up there. Praise the Lord. My grades were good enough. Um, but like we are not what we used to be is the best way I could say it. And as a, as a, as a university, and as people, period, like if 
traditions have outlasted their usefulness, then they become ankle weights. Like if a tradition has outlasted the thing that it does and what a school song is designed to do is to unite the entire student body and alumni base as one. And if the school song is no longer serving its inherent purpose, then it needs to be changed. And that's probably a controversial stance, but I don't care. Like if your tradition is no longer serving its initial purpose, and again, the initial purpose of the school song is to unite the student body and the alumni base as one. It's a beautiful thing. And if it no longer does that, then it has outlived its usefulness. And as much as it pains me to say that, and believe me, it pains me to say that. I wanted to teach my kids to sing the eyes of Texas. My kid is like just old enough to start singing it now. And so we sing Texas fight and that's good. But like (laughs) if it's hurting people and you can't see past your own nose to realize that, then I'm sorry about you. Like I, I got no other way to say it. And I absolutely like, again, grew up loving the song. Like it is, it is, it was woven into my DNA. And then I found out about the past. I was like, well, that kind of sucks. Um, but again, like if a tradition no longer serves its purpose, I think back to, there's an old story I tell in training where there it's Thanksgiving dinner and they, they're preparing the ham and they cut both sides off the ham before they put it in the oven. They put, cut both sides off of it. They glaze it, put it in the oven. Um, and the mom, the, 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 the wife of the family is cooking it. She asks her mom, mom, why did we start cutting off the sides of the ham to cook it? She's like, I don't know. That's how my mom did it. And so they went and asked great grandma, why did you, why did you start cutting off the sides of the ham? We just always did it like that. And great grandma said, our oven was too small for the hams we bought. <laughs> and like if we, that's, that is the, the, the kind of yeah. the yeah. ridiculousness of holding on to traditions for the sake of holding on to traditions. And again, I love the eyes of Texas and I think it's going to be a tough ask for a lot of people. And they're going to be people that regardless of a decision that's made that are going to sing it. And that's their choice. But requiring students and student athletes to sing a song to represent a university that does not represent them is wrong, period. Yeah, the, the, that's a fantastic. The ham on both sides, and I'm probably going to steal that. That's a great sorry, but it, is, it, it tells it so perfectly, right? There was a you know, President Prather likes you know, the eyes of the South are upon you. He used to conclude his speeches with the eyes of Texas are upon you at a minstrel show. Um, you know, the students turned it back on him and said, I, I knew a president, and everywhere he went, he always saw the eyes of Texas. They were mocking him in a, because he, he liked to put that in his speeches. The student body who were present at the minstrel show went crazy, you know, asking for encore, encore, encore. Um, you know, the, the band learned it they played it uh and then you know at the commencement prather in in good spirit kudos to him turned it around and said his catchphrase again the eyes of texas are upon you basically was an inside joke of people ribbing each other right why is that what we have to lay the foundation of the university spirit upon right i i to me um you know i i love what you said it's if if you know, if we cut the sides of the ham off just just because we've always done it, right? Like, let's take the time to explore why. Let's take the time to explore if you know we're missing some real deliciousness uh, with those crispy ham edges uh, that we're not <laughs> that we're not uh, that we're not getting because you know our ancestors or ancestors ancestors uh, you know made an audible on the fly. So I, I love that story, Gerald. I think that's that's a great way to um, to pin this. I just want to say I talked about university presence. You mentioned uh, inter, interim president um, Jay Hartzell and what a what a tough 
position it is that he finds himself in. I think he's doing a great job at good on Hartzell. And I, and I hope, you know, as long as he is the president, that he takes this seriously. Cause you know, if it started with the university president, he can, you know, go down in the books as the, is the, the, uh, the one who changed it. So it's a tough job, but, um, there is an incredible pressure, um, and, and a lot of people watching. So, so we will continue to talk about that. We're going to try to get a university historian on next week to talk a little bit more uh, just about some of these things to get perspective because, again, just like our football previews, Kyle and I know just enough to be dangerous, but we want to get somebody on <laughs> who helps actually know and can provide some historical context to these things. Somewhat lighter news, football is back. Upperclassmen have fully onboarded. They onboarded 58 athletes. They tested them all for... Uh, COVID-19, uh, two of them tested positive, one tested positive for the antibody. So the two that were positive tests are currently uh, social self-isolating, I think is the, the proper term. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Uh, but the rest of them, the other 55, 56 are working out today. Back in the lab doing some workouts, underclassmen checked in today. We saw videos from guys like Jaquin and Jackson on campus. So they're up and running with that. Tom Herman provided some uh, some injury updates um, in the dumb one. Let's just be honest. BJ Foster broke a bone in his hand after punching his car because someone hit it and didn't leave a note. Tom Herman said, and I quote, inanimate objects usually win fights. So Foster will miss six to eight weeks with a broken hand, a guy who is presumed to be a uh, a starter if not competing for a starting spot for this year. Yeah, we've all done dumb things as a uh, as a youth. Uh, you know, better I guess to punch the car than than the guy who hit your car. But uh, you know, I, I get it. If I walked out and my car had been hit. I would be frustrated. I believe I have um, I have kicked your um, your uh, plastic drawers uh, over over less, or even spiked an Xbox controller uh, over less in 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 my college heyday. So I, I get where this comes from. Neither Kyle nor I are gracious losers when it comes to NCAA football. <laughs> uh, other injury updates: Marcus Tillman will be back by July. Sam Ellinger and Jordan Whittington are at 100%. Darian Brown had a procedure to clean up some of the continuing things happening in his skull. Peter Pudgy is currently working on some lab work. Neither of them are likely to play this year. Yeah, uh, two guys we're both rooting for to, you know, get back to full health, obviously, but, you know, hopefully even get back to to playing out there in Brown, especially we've been talking about for quite some time, but Peter and Paji as well, um, you know, hoping everything works out and next year they can they can hopefully come back uh, and contribute to the team if possible, or at least very least get, get, uh, get well and leave healthy, productive lives. Absolutely. So quick hitter, Dave Campbell's all Texas college team. The, the magazine came out this week, our friend of the show, we'll call him Shane Bouchelle was the cover athlete much deserved. So five Texas players made the first team of the Dave Campbell's all Texas team. Most of any team in the state, Sam Cosme, best O lineman, Keandre Coburn, best defensive lineman, Joseph Osai, Caden Stearns and Cameron Dicker, all representing their positions. Three on the second team, Sam Ellinger as the number two quarterback again, behind cover athlete, Shane Bouchelle, Keontae Ingram and Brennan Eagle. So, I know Dave Campbell's is like an in-state magazine, but still pretty cool. There are a lot of, I mean, there's a couple of good football teams in the state. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's there's probably 
three top 25 teams, if not, if not more, we'll see, you know, how, how a couple teams end up with SMU and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where TCU, SMU and, and others lie, but, uh, there's some, there's some good teams in this state and Dave Campbell obviously is, is an institution. So this list matters, right? Like big 12, it, it matters, but come on, it's still Texas. We have bragging rights over our coworkers, our buddies, our high school friends, our cousins, you know, um, family members who, who went to other schools. This stuff's important. So, you know, win the state, then, then win the, win the nation. Absolutely. So, uh, a little bit more positive news. Texas picked up not one, but two big commitments at the same time on Monday. Four-star safety, J.D. Coffee and four-star cornerback Ishmael Ibrahim committed together. Posted a joint video announcing their commitment. J.D. Coffee, number 173 overall player, according to the 24-7 composite. Number seven safety, number 29 player in the state from Kennedale High School. Six foot, 180 pounds, picks Texas over LSU, Oregon, and Washington. Ibrahim from Dallas Kimball. Come on, Dallas to Austin, number 171 overall. The number 13 cornerback in the country, number 28 in the state. Six foot one, one seventy five, two sport athlete, and again picks Texas over Georgia, LSU, OU, and TCU. Uh, you know this this is fantastic, the DBU, right? We we've had some conversations. We we alluded to it briefly in our LSU preview uh, last week. Uh, Texas just needs to keep getting in these solid guys. Great for the coaches, Coach Fly, uh, and the coaches who did that recruiting. Um, I, I, I I'm excited for both of these cats i love that they did it at the same time i love the uh you know i love when you get these little bunches that you think of you know we we have uh you know the the well the florida ones didn't work out but we had that group um you had the you know you have the uh, the katie kids with with uh milro and connor you have um just i love when you get these package kind of deals uh that feel like my my favorite part um is you know there's so many puns ready for for uh jd coffee so that's just going to help with the texas pregamer uh right off the bat so you know a lot of coffee puns get ready for that um this uh you know this this was the the exact boost i needed to get me through my monday <laughs> the real wake them up is really what we got to go with hashtag yes. leon slow neal uh so <laughs> Javali one gets his first first big recruiting win. Uh, posted an incredible video in which his top button is holding on for dear life. That's another conversation. That man is very fit, has a very thick neck. But these two commitments move Texas uh, up to number nine in the national recruiting rankings with some key pieces still on the board. We're going to try to get a friend of the show, Mike Roach, on in a couple weeks. Uh, maybe next week we'll see how it works out to talk a little bit of what this means for Texas and where they go from here. But that brings us to the part of the show where we give some shine to the programs that don't necessarily get as much as they should, and we down the 40. Quickly, baseball, the MLB draft happened. They removed 35 rounds from it, which rough, but it helped Texas a little bit. Texas had five commitments or current players uh, selected. Uh, most, if not all of them, are going to make their leave. Shortstop Carson Tucker was drafted uh, number 23 by the Cleveland Indians. Uh, right-handed pitcher Jared Jones, number 44 by the Pirates. Uh, another right-hand pitcher, Jared Kelly, drafted number 47 by the White Sox, recently named the Gatorade Baseball Player of the Year. P.D. Haplin, uh, number 95 by the Indians as well. And then Bryce Elder, a name that we love, was drafted by the Atlanta Braves within round five. 
pick number one twenty six. Yeah, that's that's a, a a good lopping off of the number one recruiting class in the country that we we talked about and we were excited about. I think a lot of these names you knew. Um, they they were just so good, right? It's it's hard to tell an eighteen year old kid who has a chance to go make lots of money. Don't do it. Come play uh, at UT. But um, you know, it, I think this happens, right? When you have the number one recruiting class, a lot of those guys are probably uh, you know the level that they can they can go pro. I don't think this entirely dismantles. Uh, one of the things is I'll be curious with PD Haplin uh, or Halpin, excuse me, going is is the, you know the look at who they bring in in the outfield. Maybe some uh, JUCO transfers after this year. Uh, the couple uh, of our of our outfielders on campus are are elder or senior uh, players, and so it will be an issue to look at in future recruiting classes, uh, I think. But uh, as far as this year, I think the team is going to be okay. Would have loved to have any of these guys, but uh, I think there's some some good players coming back. It's it's a decent problem to have. I mean, again, some of these guys may decide. Or none of those guys will decide. But in the future, <laughs> potentially, you could have a guy that decides, you know what, I just want to play Texas. Uh, so guys that are returning, right-handed pitcher slash third baseman Tanner Witt uh, was projected to be a top 50 pick. But again, uh, Texas, uh, well, again, he decided that he was going to play in Bird Orange. Yeah, and his, his his mom played volleyball at Texas, the fourth-generation Longhorn. This was one that I thought if there was one we could get. I saw some teams had him in their top 20, right? It's He was a guy who was going to be good. He could play anywhere on the field, but um, I think he's 6'6". Six, six. He's a big, big bad dude, but uh, uh, I was hoping. I was like, come on, you got to get the mom played volleyball at, at Texas. You, you, you got to have some pull. So uh, excited to cheer for Tanner Witt next season. With that same note, Austin Todd, DJ Petrinsky, and Zach Zubia all announced that they are going to, again, they weren't drafted, but they're going to to take advantage they could just step away from the game if they chose but they'll be back for another year uh guys like again zubia cam fields cole quintanilla coy cobb tristan stevens are names that potentially would have heard their names called in a 40 round draft but texas uh benefited from the mlb lopping off 35 rounds of their draft and i'm not mad about it the first bit of good news out of COVID, i don't know um yeah, yeah it's interesting right some of those guys would have had tough decisions to make you make the business decision if i get drafted in the 26th round do i think could play one more year and, and bump that up to the to the eighth round right so um it just just took out some tough business decisions hopefully all of those guys will be drafted next year absolutely jordan spieth finishes tied for 10th at the pga return uh at the charles schwab challenge uh he was like what leading going into uh the kind of closing few holes and then double bogeyed 12 and just kind of spiraled a little bit from there it was tough to watch yeah, Spieth's had a tough year. He's like 56 or 57 in the world rankings. He's fallen quite a bit. Um, but this was a good sign at least the first three, two and a half days. He looked really good. Like I said, leading, you know, had that had that double bogey on 12 on the third day and never really got back up to the lead. But did finish, uh, I think, you know, three shots back, two shots back, uh, four, four shots off the winner. So not, not terrible. Um, especially probably a little rust during the, the quarantine. So hopefully, um, you know, more wins to come from him. But the nice thing was there was actually quite a few Longhorns, uh, seven in, in total who played. And, and um, out of the uh, ones who made the cut, I think we had four, uh, three or four uh, make the cut. Um, you know, the Scotty Scheffler, Jonathan Vegas, who the first day was one shot off the lead, uh, and Dylan Fratelli all, all making the cut. And, uh, you know, that's great to see. We are a, uh, a bigger program than just Jordan Spieth. Got a lot of former Longhorns out there uh, doing something on the links. Absolutely. And then keeping it country club, uh, some bittersweet news. Uh, two of our favorites, Christian Sisgard and Yuya Ito, are both taking their talents to the next level. They both would have been able to capitalize on another year of eligibility, but 
those two guys are good enough to take it pro, so they will be playing professional tennis. Uh, it is it's tough to see him go, but the legacy and the the recruiting impact that they've had for tennis was massive. Yeah, I mean, one of my all-time Texas favorite teams, right? The way they they we've talked about it at, at nauseum, but the way they came back from adversity and, and channeled that into glory is is phenomenal. And if they ever uh, you know are, are walking around. Austin, you know, and them or Andy Roddick will never, never buy a drink in that town, I hope. So uh, good on you guys. Good luck. We'll miss you. <laughs> that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? I'm bang. I'm banging the drum in homage this week. Um, I, I there are certain people who do certain things that you you can't try to recreate because you know you'll never do it as good as them. Um, when Wright Thompson writes an article, you know you just read it. You don't try to do that because you can't. You're not that good. Uh, but when Bomani Jones goes and, and and just off the cuff gives takes and incorporates you know culture in Texas and 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 you know a little swag and and just uh, you know gives his very unique Bomani Jones opinion on a situation I can't attempt to try to recreate that but I will uh, we'll, we'll share it from the uh, the show account but the 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 conversation that I'm alluding to he was on the Dan Lebertard show um in in the question is should you know should the the NCAA give give Rezi, Reggie Bush's Heisman back right the University of South of uh, Southern California um, made kind of the announcement this week they were welcoming Reggie back in all the kind of sanctions and bans have been lifted um, from you know some some incidents off the field typically you know stemming with um you know, if there was money received or, or offers or things not becoming of the NCAA rules, ultimately led to Reggie having his Heisman uh, revoked. However, when that question was asked, uh, the the beautiful uh, mind of Bomani Jones went straight to, you know, what authority does the NCAA have? What authority does the downtown club have? What authority does, does USC have? What authority do any of these people have? If Reggie wants that Heisman, he can get in his car, drive down to Texas, and ask one Vincent Young, Kang of the Rose Bowl, uh, for his trophy. That, that, as we all know, is Vince's trophy. As we all know, Vince, if there was ever any doubt, erased that on a fourth and five in, uh, in, in, in the, the Rose Bowl uh, over the, the greatest dynasty that college football had ever seen, quote, air quote. Um, and, and, and that belongs to, to beautiful, wonderful, incomparable, on our football Mount Rushmore, all-time great. I actually had a, a debate with someone the other day about why Vince Young is the greatest college quarterback of all time. You know, Tommy Frazier, Tim Tebow, uh, whoever else you want to throw at me, be damned. But uh, it's Vince's. That, that Heisman, though, it, it is in the books as uh, empty. Everyone who knows anything knows that is Vince's Heisman. Absolutely. I, Vince himself held the crystal ball, hit the Heisman pose, <laughs> and said, who's the Heisman? So Vince yep. literally claimed that Heisman. Literally. No two ways Pre- around it. So I'm banging the drum this week on the Big 12 coaches and kind of the Big 12 basketball powers that be getting together and officially making – a making election day a formal day off for student athletes and the big 12 i have a lot of issues with how the big 12 is run i have a lot of issues with big 12 leadership and just all sorts of weird things that they do day in and day out Uh, but i have to give them some credit for getting it right um election day 
should be a day where if we want to encourage young people to have a voice, if we want to encourage we so many people bemoan young people not getting involved and not having a voice and not this and that and the other. Uh, but we put the cookies on the top shelf. And so there are some ways to take the cookies off the top shelf and make it really easy for people to get involved. And so this is a way that they're going to encourage their players to participate and do their do their civil duty. It's 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 a not just a a right, but it's it's kind of a privilege and a duty that we all have uh, to go vote vote like for years. I mean, the Civil War was basically about the right for representation, right? And as a black man, like a lot of what happened in this country since has been about, let's make sure everybody can vote. And so the the fact of the matter is like, this is really cool. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that thinks like we should create mechanisms through which everybody gets a break from work to vote. Or if there's an, there's a way to do that. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a political scholar. I'm just a guy and I've got a microphone so I get to say some things I want sometimes. But I think this is a step in the right direction. I think encouraging young people to vote and voice regardless of their, your political ideology, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, right? I think the Big 12 and Shaka started their statement, this is a movement, not a moment, right? It, it, whatever the movement is, it's, it's so long overdue. As long as there's people like Governor Kemp of, of Georgia who can just find ways to keep people vote from voting, as long as there's you know people who gerrymander districts in ways that they're unrecognizable so that you know they can get the outcome they want, there will be people in power trying to keep that power, trying to keep people from having power. I think every little bit that we can do to try to, you know, enable that and and I, hey i'm i'm pushing let's make this a just not just a big 12 basketball holiday a, a school holiday an ncaa holiday a, a state holiday a national holiday like let's other countries got this right and we don't um go vote right anyone listening to this under the power of my voice uh when november comes around or any elections special elections runoff elections you have between now and then at your local level at the national level go vote every chance you see where you can vote on something do it vote it's it's literally uh, our American right and one of our most exceptional and amazing uh, things about this country, truly. And so everyone do it at every point that you can. I love I love where I live. I, my, I, I am a proud American. My dad is a is an immigrant to this country and he worked his way uh, through the United States Air Force for 22 years and became a citizen of the United States. And, and I am so unbelievably proud of this country. And, at, and as the democratic ideal, we should set the standard of what a democracy can be. And that's, that's, that's as far as I'm going to go with that. But that's all we've got for you. Got a lot for you this week. Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find more of these steaming hot takes at Kyle Carpenter on Twitter. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll be back on Thursday with our UTEP preview. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Stay woke.